Ciao ragazzi and welcome back to Serie A Sit Down. Buon anno also. I should mention that. It is 2023. Um, give me some, cut me some slack. We haven't done this in a few weeks. I'm Frank Cravello. We've got Richard Carmen, Alex Donald. We're all in the house. Ciao, gentlemen. Chin chin. Buon anno. This feels longer than an off season, right? I mean, you know, we, <laughs> yeah. we usually have less time between May and the start of the next season than we just had for this World Cup break. I don't, you know, I forgot. Yeah, obviously, I remember Napoli being top of the table, but as far as the rest of the table, I don't know who's what, who's where. I don't yeah. know what any of these teams are going to look like tomorrow. Yeah, I had to go and double check and take a look at the standings. I had to go and take a look at the, the, the you know, who's playing tomorrow, um, you know, had to do a lot, a lot of last minute preparation for this show and to get back, get things back up and running. You only had two months to prep for this. Come on. <laughs> I know. How have you boys been? How were your holidays? I was good. Uh, not too bad. I obviously a lot of uh, couch or football uh, with the World Cup, but uh, it was relaxing time. You know, got to enjoy the holidays. Just got back from Pittsburgh uh, yesterday. So things are good. Things are good. How about you guys, Alex? Yeah, very enjoyable holiday. Uh, the World Cup was bittersweet, obviously, with the Azzurri not being involved. Uh, you know, I, I was, of course, I, I adopted my, you know, the country where I live, United States. They got at least into the knockout stages, which was nice. I, I will say, though, that the matches were incredibly entertaining, including the final, which I would classify as epic. That yeah. was an epic World yeah. Cup final. So despite the fact that, you know, for the Azzurri supporters, we didn't have a horse in the race, it ended up being a really, really good World Cup. So I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. Not afraid to say that that might be the best final ever of any competition I've ever seen. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, it's really, really hard for me to, uh, you know, go back and look at it. I mean, I have favorite finals, um, you know, I mean, 94 Champions League final when Milan beat Barcelona 4-0. Um, you know, I, Italy winning the world cup in 2006 that, you know, that sort of thing. But in terms of what the game offered in terms of, uh, atmosphere, two of the best in the world, uh, just going back and forth and going at it, um, goals, uh, you know, and then just, you know, drama from one thing to the next was, uh, it had everything. Um, it ever, one could argue that the, quality of play overall could have been a little bit better um but that's i mean you're really splitting hairs at that point um i heard some people say yeah the quality of football wasn't the greatest but it was a great final i've heard a couple people say that i i don't agree with that i have a hard time if you compare um, this final to the final where another great final which was argentina beating germany three to two back in what 86 86 yeah. yeah the quality much better now than it was then so you know you you take things you know with a grain of salt but i mean yeah overall yeah. beautiful tournament yeah i think you're you know it was a you know as far as the tournament as a whole um i thought it was it was an okay i thought it was an okay tournament okay that was a you know 2006 i'm gonna always be biased and say 2006 was the best world cup but i i you know the star power that was at that tournament you know sedan Balak. Um, the team dynamic of Italy, Kaká at, at, at Brazil, 
Um, and then you have Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi just jumping into the scene. Um, you know, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Yep, Ronaldinho. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, twenty eighteen, many argue, was the greatest World Cup of all time. I, you know, I'd put it up against twenty oh six. Eighty six was really good. Uh, some would say eighty two was really yeah, good. Yeah, and you know what? It's funny about eighty two. I wasn't born yet, but when I was growing up, my father had most of Italy's matches in 82 on VHS tape. Nice. And when I was, uh, you know, when I got, when it got to be around 91, 92, and like I really started getting into to watching, uh, to watching soccer and watching World Cups, like my father busted out the 82 VHS tapes. I must have watched Italy's win over Brazil and over, you know, East Germany in the final. I must have watched those matches probably a hundred times each. I don't think I watched every match from that tournament, but I always held, even though it was two years before my birth, I always held 82. Of course, Italy won that World Cup, which was a bonus. I always held that in a special light because I would like burn through those VHS tapes watching them so often. Yep. yep. I am no longer the youngest person on this podcast. I can't believe it. <laughs> this is crazy. Of course, I am the old man and... Uh, I gotta, I gotta live with that. I'm also the oldest. I'm also the oldest dad at my kid's school too. Really? I mean, at least for my son's class. Um, I don't know my daughter. I would, I would, I would assume my daughter's class too because she's younger. Mm. So, um, but hey, it's. I, I'm getting used. To, I'm getting used to it now. I'm, there you I, go. I, how, how about this, real quick? So there, there's a dad of a little girl in my son's school who he's he's on his second family. And he is also the dad of a girl that I went to high school with that was in the same class that I was in. And she had an older sister that was two or three years older. And this guy's got a a three or four year old now. He's completely started over. So it's like, I could never do that, man. And I only have one kid, but I'm like, imagine starting over like 30 years from now. I don't think I could do it. No, 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 I, no, I I, I couldn't do it. So. Have a hard enough time. Have a hard enough time with the two that we've got, and then yeah, <laughs> trying to figure out where to get a dog on top of it. And was, yeah, I already got gonna, you too. I already beat you there. So we're gonna wait. <laughs> we're gonna wait. We we're gonna wait until the kids can consistently keep the doors closed, the patio door, or the garage door. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a big problem. <laughs> so, um, but nonetheless. Um, so, you know, the, the World Cup had all of its entertainment. We released, uh, you know, a number of videos. Richard did a great job uh, with some commentary on uh, Serie A players. I put together a couple of all Serie A teams from the first round and second round of, of World Cup games. Um, you know, I I will maybe here give my, you know, team of the tournament as it pertains to Serie A. Pretty tough to make all of the selections, but uh, but nonetheless, I can do that. Uh, but well, let's start with that. You know, while we're on the topic of the World Cup, it's it's a little over two weeks removed now. Um, and let's ask uh, you guys. I'll open it up. You know, let's start with the best of Serie A from the World Cup. Okay, uh, I'll start by saying to me the best Serie A player overall at the World Cup was Sofian Amrabat of Morocco. Okay, uh, playing in the midfield, protecting the defense just about won everything in sight. I think, I think his really his true uh, best game was against Spain. I thought he was outstanding there. And I think that he gave everybody a glimpse of what he's capable of. Um, but I'll start with their best for me, best player, Sofian Amrabat of Morocco. 
Um, you know, Alex, let's start with you. Give us another positive and highlight of the city, of the city players that re- were represented at the world. I Cup. certainly co-sign on Amrabat. Uh, and I will say, and it's ironic for me being the only non Milanista on the pod. Uh, I, I was, I was pretty impressed obviously with the run that France had, uh, into the final and, you know, with, uh, some clutch performances from Giroud and uh, and with the way that Teo played, um, I, I I had to be impressed there, especially and you know Di Maria with uh, with Argentina, you know especially after watching a lot of Inter players outside of Brozovic stinking it up on the pitch, seeing you know the Milan players actually doing pretty well. Uh, that, that that was definitely a highlight. Okay, Richard, how about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, good shots there with Giroud, uh, Teo Hernandez, Amrabat. Um, I'm going to say, honestly, the biggest winners for me is Max Allegri and Juventus. The Juventus players that played, I'm talking about Di Maria, Chesney, um, Rabiot, Alexandro. I mean, these guys were fantastic all tournament long. I We thought maybe maybe Rabiot's run at the end of the season or before the World Cup started uh, was maybe a fluke. He kept that going through the World Cup, right? Alexandro regained his his past pre, uh, past form. Um, Di Maria was his, his ex- exceptional self, and Chesney was one of the best goalkeepers in that tournament. Uh, so it just the Juventus players really stood out for me other than, you know, Paulo Dybala. And, well, he's not even there anymore. What am I talking about? So, yeah, Juventus players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess – you know, I I, I got to go with that too. Um, I think another guy that you can probably uh, you know lump into that conversation is Adrian Rabio was was really good for France. Obviously, scoring the the tying goal against Australia, but overall the energy he gave in the midfield. I I was curious to see because I haven't well, I had not watched a lot of France in the buildup. Um, him in a double pivot with Chouamani, and then having and you know playing behind Mbappe, Griezmann, and. Dembele and how that was going to work because you know functionally at Juventus it's a little bit different for Rabio and they're you know when you look at it on paper you would say there's definitely a lot more freedom for him to go forward and get into the box well that wasn't a problem with France I mean there was definitely spaces created because Griezmann wasn't just parking himself in a 10 roll he moved around a little bit yet Mbappe playing a lot higher um, you know so in those areas I think that that Rabio was able to step up and find some of that room and and be dangerous as he was on the goal against Australia. Yeah. Uh, so that's another guy that I thought. Um, <clears throat> another guy that I thought in. I'll, I'll I'll build this team. I'm on. Let's see. I've got. I've got. Uh, let's see. One, two, three. I've got four. I've got eight players in this all city A team from the World Cup right now. Um, the goalkeeper is Chesney, and I think that's pretty much by default. Your other choices were uh, Vanya Milinkovic Savic, who got shelled uh, throughout the group stage playing for Sonata, Sonata, who got and then Andre Onana, who went home after one game. So, my <laughs> <My> choice. <laughs> but it's still valid because, I mean, Chesney can tell his kids and his grandkids, you see that Leo Messi guy? I saved a penalty on him. Yeah, And he okay, has the World Cup record so. for most saves in a game, too. So Yep. Yep, and that that as well. So it, you know, it is definitely um, there. There is definitely some uh, legitimacy uh, to that. Um, but uh, the the rest of it, as it stands right now, um, I've got. You know, and and here's the problem: the, the there wasn't a lot of center backs. Uh, you know, that was playing at the World Cup that were Serie A. You had Min Jai Kim, who I thought was outstanding in the first game against Uruguay, but then he got hurt and just never really was himself. Um, and South Korea just 
paid a painful price trying to out Brazil Brazil in the second round. As I, yeah, you could probably do that if Minjai was fit, but he wasn't. Um, and, uh, you know, so it ended up making him play his way out. I have just added, I ended up putting in Denzel Dumfries as the right back and strongly on the performance against oh, the USA. The USA. He was dominant. I, I thought he was crap throughout the group stage. I just railed him and railed him and railed him. And I sat there saying, <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, he's, he's horrible. I've been ripping on him throughout the entire group stage. So against, of course he's going to nuke against the USA. <laughs> so that's just how it works out. And I'll just put the Brazilian pairing of Danilo and Alexandro together in the middle, because I don't think there was really another center back that we can look at and say, <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, that this was good from you or, or, or so on or so forth. And then Teo Hernandez on the left. Um, the best thing that happened to him in this World Cup was his brother getting hurt. Yep. Yeah. Um, but boy, did he put in a performance. And then he was, uh, he, he obviously scored the goal against Morocco, was a huge influence and functionally really wasn't all that different uh, from how he played, uh, how he plays for Milan. So I already knew um, he played better defensively than he did with Milan, but obviously that's a, uh, you got maybe stronger teammates around who knows. Uh, but yeah, he had a great tournament front and back. I thought, but I think that's been starting to surface a little bit. I mean, even with playing with Milan, I yeah, think that he's, yeah. he, he has gotten a little bit better, yeah. uh, you know, defensively, not to what you would, you know, I mean, we're not going to start hailing him as the next Maldini or anything like that, but, uh, you know, certainly, uh, certainly, certainly improved, um, Midfield, Sofia Namrabat obviously is in. Adrian Rabio is in. We got to pick one more midfielder uh, from the City A teams. I have Giroud as a striker. I have Di Maria on one wing. Uh, so we need one winger and we need one more midfielder. And then our, our all Brozovic. Brozovic. Uh, yeah, yeah, Brozovic. Brozovic. Thank you. That's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was missing. I thought he. Yeah, God, the guy ran forever. Yeah, he's still running. There's nothing new. He's he's been running since uh, 2017. <laughs> he hasn't stopped. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, I could have, we could have put, um, you know, there, I mean, and then, so that's the left side of the, of the front three, you know, and then that the chat wants to jump, jump in and, uh, Leo. <laughs> I, I actually want to say Leo, he was extremely yeah. efficient for the playing yeah, time he got, he scored not two a bad goals. Shout. Yeah, I mean, you look at the players that were left, right? You got, uh, Nikola Vlasic, he didn't have a good, good tournament. Um, no. Mario Pasolic, not a good tournament. Lautaro Martinez, not a good tournament. You know, there's so many other Serie A players, not a good tournament. So by default, it has to be Leo, right? Lautaro did have his his moment with a uh, penalty. What was that in the the semifinal, the big pen? But yeah. outside of that, on the pitch, not yeah. good. He did well in probably overtime in the final, but again, his, his claim to fame is winning the title. Lautaro yeah. should have scored five goals in the final yeah. for the in, in the time that he was on. He had so Lukaku many. Lukaku should chances. have scored five goals in about twenty yeah. minutes of one match. <laughs> Yeah. Against against, uh, against Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. 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 So so we, we segue into the ugly of the of the city at the World Cup. And I think it's obvious to start with the performances of Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku. Um, here's the here's OK. Lukaku. How, how often are you ever going to see that from him? And I you know, part of me is going to say, oh, great. Now he's mad. Um, for the rest of City A to now have to deal with, yeah. um, but Lotaro, here's the thing that I've always and helped you know, and, and and Alex, you're the inter guy, so you can weigh in on this if you'd like. But here's my my thing on Lotaro. I don't think he fits in teams where the environment is set up where that team has a monopoly of possession. 
and they have to deal with tighter spaces. Lataro Martinez is an excellent counterattacking forward. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said this at all times and you pick DraftKings lineups and I'd see if I, if I saw a game where I thought Inter were going to have 70% of the possession and I saw Jekyll and Lataro playing up front, I said, I'm going to play Jekyll. I'm not going to play Lataro because it's a crossing game for Inter and they're going to look for Jekyll's head. Yeah. Um, you know, much like Argentina where it's, you know, they're not looking for anybody's head, but they have all this possession and everything goes through Messi, just absolutely everything. Okay. And, and Martinez's role is to get in there and occupy defenders. And then he's going to have, he better finish the few chances that are going to come to him. So I, you know, there's some parallel there, but I think the setup works against Lotaro because of what Argentina is able to do and, and, and be able to have the possession and the respect teams have for them, that there isn't the space for him to be the Lotaro that we think, you know, can be dangerous. Your thoughts? Well, I think you're spot on. The only other thing I will add to it, and I think tactically what you said makes perfect sense, but the other thing about Lotaro is he's a painfully inconsistent player. He's very streaky, and if he hits a cold patch Mm. at the wrong time, which might very well have been that tournament, I've seen him go literally months without scoring goals, and then as soon as he snaps out of his funk, he can't stop scoring. Like He can go from five or six games where he can't buy a goal to then a hat trick, and then he snaps out of a bad patch of form. So he could have been hitting a bad patch of form at the wrong time. Uh, I'll I'll segue into Lukaku because obviously the – you know, when he came on as a substitute in a do-or-die match for Belgium and he was missing sitters left and right, um, I will be a Lukaku apologist here because the thing that annoyed me about his performance and the narratives that came out of it in that match was he really wasn't supposed to play until the knockout stages yeah. because mm-hmm. he, in, in his recovery from injury, and Roberto Martinez, the Belgian manager, had even said it leading into the tournament and into the first couple matches of the tournament, we know Lukaku is not really like he's not injured anymore, but he's not fit. And we really are not even going to use him until the knockout stages. But then you have a do or die, you know, you Belgium wasn't expecting to be in that position of having to win their final group stage match. They should have qualified comfortably. Then it's all hands on deck. You put out all the stops and then he was thrown into kind of an unfair position because the guy literally hadn't played football in months. And that's where, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's more explainable. I was still shocked by how many chances he missed. Don't get me wrong. But I think the performance is more explainable in the context of hadn't played due to injury in several weeks and wasn't supposed to be fit enough to play until the knockout stages anyway. I think that just had a lot to do with the way he performed. And like you said, Frank, is he's uh, more than likely going to start against Napoli tomorrow. Hopefully it, it made him angry and he uh, he finds a way to make Napoli pay for that. Yep. Uh, Richard, uh, give us some guys that you thought were a disappointment uh, from City at the World Cup. Um, yeah, there was, uh, there was quite a few, right? Uh, but uh, Paredes is a good shout by Phil in the chat. Uh, he had some... Uh, Contesty moments in the, in this in this tournament. Uh, almost set off a fracas against Netherlands at one point, uh, shooting into the bench there. Uh, QBR and Glick, I thought started well, but they're kind of a Spezia player and a City B player. Kind of came out you know, as the tournament progressed, and then they kind of got shellacked. Um, Poland, you know, I was kind of disappointed with Zelensky because Zelensky is a guy who we hold very high. Him, him, and um, 
and uh, what's his face from Juventus, uh, Milik. Uh, but more so Zelensky. Zelensky is a player who we said so this is a coming out party. And he had an okay tournament, but I thought he would be a lot better. I thought he'd really be able to dictate play for Poland. Yes, they were in a tough group, but he didn't do as well as I had hoped he would do. Um, was he a victim of the tactics? I, yeah, I, I would I think mean, so. It just seemed like I mean, Poland Pol- always seems like they're off. They have one of the most talented teams in, in Europe, but they just never seem to put it together. And it has to come down to coaching that the pieces square pegs and round holes, right? And that's got to be a big contributor to why Zelensky wasn't good because he is a masterful player. We know this. Um, and so, yeah, I think tactics has to be part of it. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's not the. <clears throat> I mean the the Argentina game. I mean Poland had no interest in having the ball, <clears throat> yeah. and then the and then France they only had it for a little bit longer than that. Uh, so that really takes away where Zielinski can be effective. Yeah. Um, you know to that point. <clears throat> um, the, the other the other disappointments that I would probably say. I mean Kivior got off to a great start and then faded out faded out of this World Cup. So. Um, interesting because I think after the first, it's, it's, and it's amazing how fickle everybody is because after the first couple of games, you're talking about that Spezia is going to cash in on the guy. And then you haven't heard a peep about it since. Uh, so, um, I thought that, uh, you know, looking at, and we kind of called Poland team Syria cause what do they have? Seven guys yeah. from city on their team. <laughs> they almost um, had a Syria 11 just on their squad. Close. Yeah. Syria like 10 plus Lewandowski. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, definitely go there. Um, I think other guys that I think were, were disappointing, um, the, the, the goalkeepers, obviously, which we touched on earlier, Milinkovic, Savic, you know, just getting shelled. I mean, uh, yeah, Brazil. Okay, fine. And, and I think he actually was outstanding against Brazil. And, yeah, but then your, your, your answer after that is to ship, th- have three ship to you against you against Cameroon. Um, you know, it just, it was not a good. Uh, World Cup for him. Onana was obviously probably can argue was the biggest disappointment of the World Cup. And- well, yeah, I'm I'm, st- I'm still not 100 percent sure what happened there. So this I is know. this from what this is what I heard, and this is why I yeah. kind of side with Onana because so he had an okay first game, but the the play was the problem was, and you uh, everyone was talking about it. Onana was coming out of his box, yeah, playing in front of the defense, and the coach did not like it. The coach right. said. You're a goalie. You stay in the box. Let the defenders play with the ball. And he goes, which, no. I'm which a, I'm so, which sounds like he was coaching from 1925 yeah, with a philosophy yeah, like yeah. that. And so Nana's yeah. like, no, I'm going to keep doing what I do because this is what I do well. And he's like, no. He's like, all right, fuck it. I'm, I'm out of here. And so he left. Yeah. And the coach like, see you. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, uh, like I said, wasn't a good World Cup for the few center backs that we had there. Uh, Minjai is an injury, and it's unfortunate. Um, and I'm trying to remember the other uh, Dylan Braun from Tunisia. Oh, yeah, I thought had yeah, a very good first game. Yeah. Um, and you know, did his job against Denmark, and, and really his role was to defend. You were harsh on Dylan Braun in your first video about, uh, you know, when you when you went across that game. I had to I had to let you know. I was I, I was nice. To, I, I was nice enough to not call you out on Twitter publicly because that's not my thing. But I was you just like, do it on I, YouTube. <laughs> Like, yeah. dude, I well, at Braun least you're face to face. This is a little, it's a little more, a little more manly to do it. But then after that, I, I yeah, I mean, after that, it was after that he was disappointing. Vlahovic um, was a good shot. Vlahovic was very non-existent. Yeah, that's Grant, a great. Grant, I, 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 forgot, I forgot he was in the tournament. <laughs> he was second fiddle, which was surprising to me uh, over yeah. Mitrovic. But yeah, he didn't do that well. Yep. Yep. So. So yeah, I mean, it was a you know Robert, hopefully yeah. well, well 2026 we have. We go to 48 teams, so Italy has to be in it. Um, you know, and we can we actually can talk about Italy at the World Cup. Uh, again, it's been 
quite a while since we've done that. We haven't. It's it's, it's been it, by the by the time twenty twenty. Here's the thing that that'll really piss you off. Uh, by the time the twenty twenty six World Cup kicks off, it will have been twenty years uh, since Italy has played in a knockout game in the World Cup. Wow, wow. You know what's also sad is that while the Azzurri are not in the tournament, they decided to be lazy on social media and put out these god awful jerseys. I mean, I didn't think they were that yeah. great. The the emblem was lazy. The jerseys are lazy. I mean. Really, as an FIGC Adidas man, just... as an Adidas man, I'm happy they've gone to Adidas. I'm just, I, fair, yeah, I'm not fair. not feeling the uh, the first round of kits though. Uh, so I might wait for the second round, but we'll yeah. see. So, yeah. um, but anyway, um, so that was what we thought of the City A performances at the World Cup. Uh, let's now move on to the present. Um, it's 2023, gentlemen. Uh, and we have fifth, we're 15 games in uh, across the board in City. It is back in our lives tomorrow morning. Uh, with and uh, you guys out on the East Coast get an extra hour of sleep. You get you get you got Salernitana Milan. You got Sassuolo Sampdoria, which I'm going to be foolish enough to wake up for both. Obviously, to <laughs> to support my Milan. I'm going to wake up for both, not by choice. Uh, that's yeah. usually what time I wake up anyway. Well, you guys don't work. <laughs> oh well, then I'll go to work afterward. So, <laughs> so, uh, so that all kicks off. I'll we'll run through the rest of the slate for you. So those are the uh, six thirty a.m. Eastern games, uh, and then uh, we have two eight thirty Eastern games: Spezia against Atalanta and Torino against Hellas Verona. A couple of ten thirty East games: Lecce against Lazio, uh, Roma against Bologna. Twelve thirty Eastern games: Cremonese Juventus. Fiorentina, Monza, and then 2.45 in the afternoon. Uh, Inter-Napoli is the big one. Udinese-Empoli. Sonia will watch that game while the rest of us watch Inter-Napoli. Can I give the rare credit to City A? Because they rarely get things right. I think they did this this match state really well because it's two games every two hours. Gives you a full slate, a full day of City A, which is great. I was fully expecting to put all the games at one time slot and, and have yeah. you like do guess it out which one you want to watch. So well done for City Off for the one time in your life. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, you know, it's just uh will people that are devout City Off followers get any work done tomorrow is is gonna be the question. So um so it's gonna be interesting. But we, clearly there is a marquee matchup uh that sits in this slate and it is going to be in the last round of games. Fifth place Inter, top of the table Napoli. Um, Napoli took this league by storm uh, through the first 15 games, put up 41 points. Uh, Inter on 30 points uh, through those 15 games. Uh, the projected lineups, if you look at Sofa score, Inter will go with Inter has got Onana in goal. Um, Skriniar, Acerbi, and Bastoni across the back. Dumfries and DiMarco on the wing backs. Barella, Chalinolu, Mikatarian in midfield with Aiden Jekko and Romelu Lukaku. Alex, how would you feel if that's what Simone Inzaghi put out? Um, yeah, I'm 99% confident that is what Inzaghi puts out, you know, aside from maybe the question of uh, a, a Cherubi, you know, being, being one of the center backs. Um, 
you know, it's it, I, I think it is what it is. I mean, uh, you know, La- Lautaro, we've known for a while, is not going to be uh, to fit to start this match. Brozovic, same thing, not fit. He's targeting a Supercopa return against Milan. And it, it's kind of familiar territory. It's like Brozovic got healthy enough just in time for the World Cup, and then he picks up a knock. I think it's a calf injury <laughs> in the World Cup. So at least that's the only good news, guys, from an Inter point of view, is they had gotten quite accustomed to playing without Brozovic. Uh, you know, during his absence, and Chalhanolu had done uh, actually a, a decent job playing in a deeper role for Inter's midfield. So you can kind of look at that as a blessing in disguise because, on the one hand, I can tell you confidently that Brozovic is one of Inter's most important players, if not their most important outfield player. And you're not going to have any chance at winning a Scudetto without a healthy Brozovic. But at the same time, all of the time that he missed prior to the World Cup, kind of gave Inzaghi an opportunity to figure out a tactical plan without him. And Chalhanolu has really had really stepped up in his absence. And Mikatarian, who had, uh, you know, he had kind of had a fear of picking up a knock uh, in one of the friendlies that Inter had, but it sounds like he's okay to go from the start. Uh, he had been dominating Inter's friendlies. He was scoring goals left and right during the World Cup break. So it seems like he's, you know, for what that's worth in exhibitions, he seems to have picked up some serious form. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Jekko was in very good form prior to the World Cup break. He's had a chance to rest. I think that's the biggest thing for Grandpa Jekko at his, uh, what, 35, 36 years old now. We've seen what he's capable of doing when he's not exhausted. Because when Inter have had so many injuries among their strikers, uh, Jekko has probably played more than Simone Inzaghi would really envision him playing. Uh, but he's been very good as long as he's not tired. So I'm expecting more than likely a decent performance from Jekko. And then playing alongside Lukaku, they haven't played alongside one another very often. Obviously, the strike partner that Lukaku is most familiar with is Lautaro. So it's unfortunate we can't get that from the start. So, you know, we'll see how uh, Lukaku and Dzeko can mesh together. I think that's going to be something we're all going to be looking for in that match. And how is Lukaku going to look? Because he had missed uh, a lot of time with Inter prior to the World Cup break. And he's coming off, obviously, a, a tough performance in that match he appeared in against Croatia, as we talked about. Um, you know, uh, as far as uh, the defense goes, I'll, I'll say as far as the wingbacks go, uh, I want to see... Uh, how how they can take their form coming out of the World Cup break. I mean, DiMarco was really on a tear for the first part of the season. Like, Robin Gosens can't really get any opportunities to play with the way DiMarco's been playing on the left. And, you know, we'll see how how Dumfries can look on the right. Um, but, you know, I'm, you know, here's the thing, guys. With this match, I, I can tell you all day about what maybe I can expect from Inter. It's been so long that I, you know, it, had this match been played six weeks ago, I'd say Napoli probably cuts through Inter like a hot knife through butter the way they've been doing to pretty much everybody. But how is the World Cup break going to affect Napoli's momentum? You know, Inter had some momentum before the World Cup break. They were picking up their form. So is that going to have any effect? How much will playing at San Siro be a factor? I mean, Napoli's been fine away from home. They've been great at home and away from home this year. So, uh, you know, obviously Napoli is, uh, they've been by far the team to beat in Serie A so far this year, but I think everyone has a bit of uncertainty coming out of the very long, long break we just had of roughly two months, right? It's been, it's been that long. Richard Inzaghi does get to benefit from having, I mean, the even the World Cup guys have probably been back now for a while. Uh, I mean, you look at this starting 11 and it's just two players, uh, Luca or, you know, well, 
three if you really want to count Onana, but I'm not. Um, uh, Lukaku, who you know, Belgium going out at the group stage, Dumfries, uh, Holland going out at the at the last eight. Um, so may you know, and then you look at the Napoli side. Yeah, I mean, a lot of their guys. A lot of their guys have uh, have been there all along as well. So these are two teams that are going to be be very well prepared for this match. Um, Inter does Inter look to you like even if it's a home game, even if this is a home game for them, this lineup screams okay counter with the two strikers that we have that we can play out to either one of them, and they can keep the ball and give us a chance to get forward. Yeah, I think so. I think that's going to be their their best tactic too against this this very potent, very dangerous Napoli squad. Let them have the ball, soak up the pressure, and hit them on the counterattack. We saw them uh, the the slight vulnerability that they that Napoli do have. We've seen them on the counterattacks where you know teams have been able to catch them. Inter are very good on the counter as well, and I I, I fully expect that to be the game tactic where Napoli hog the possession, and, and you see. Uh, inter uh, counter and, and try to get their opportunities there, and they got some pace to, to kind of help them achieve that. I, I fully, I, I would be massively surprised if it was a, the, the, that script was flipped because I, I think Napoli are going to want to get back to where they were before. Uh, as Alex said, that's the big unknown. They were one of the hottest. They were the hottest team in Europe going into this thing, and we said that you know between them and Juventus, the two hottest teams. This would probably affect them the most, right? Um, granted, their guys have been back for a while, uh, but still, you never know after a big break how your team's going to perform. Uh, so, yeah, let's see what Inter do, but uh, 100%, I, I almost can guarantee, I almost put money down that the Inter are going to counter in this one. Oh, 100%. I mean, this is one of those things where um, the last stat I'm going to be looking at is time of possession. I can already tell you it's going to be yeah. something along the lines of, uh, even at even at the Meazza, it's going to be something along the lines of probably 60, 65% in Napoli's favor. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think Inter would be troubled by giving them most of the ball. I think that's what they're going to expect to do. Yeah. Um, expected lineup for Napoli is Merit and Goal. Uh, back for Di Lorenzo, Amir Rahmani, uh, Minjai Kim, uh, to answer your question, Bob Lex, apparently that he should be fit for the for the game. Uh, Matias Oliveira on the left, midfield three of Angisa, Lobotka, and Piotr Zielinski, with Osimhen leading the line, flanked by Matteo Politano, and of course the uh, revelation to most people uh, on the Serie A season, Kvica Kvaratskhelia. <laughs> Uh, not us. We weren't surprised that he was going to do this, um, you know. But Richard, uh, pretty much Spalletti's strongest lineup. Um, he's got everybody fit. He's got everybody, you know, reset um, and ready to go here. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I know that some of the biggest worries would be is Minjai Kim fit. Um, you mentioned he got injured during the World Cup, but he did play his last game against Brazil. Didn't look great, but you know he was healthy enough to play in that game, and he had plenty of time to recover since then. So I, I expect him to start in this one. As you mentioned, he's in the probable lineups. Um, yeah, this is a pretty strong team here for Spalletti. It's, it's probably his best eleven that he could pick. And the big thing for me is not health. It's going to be can they get back to the swing of things? And I fully expect they should. They should do that, right? Both teams are going to be probably a little more conservative to start. Uh, but this is a dangerous team any way you slice it. And they got, you know, people want to argue whether they have depth or not. I, I argue they do have depth, and I think this is a great starting eleven for them to play with. 
Osimhen's gonna be chomping at the bit. You know he is. Havrashieli, who didn't get to even play the World Cup, like like Osimhen, he's chomping at the bit. These guys have been training all all uh, winter winter long. So yeah, this is a this is a very good team here, and uh, it's just gonna be a fun game. <laughs> There's no no ways around it. Uh, they're gonna have possession of the ball. They're gonna look to attack from different angles, um, not just the director out, but you know they're gonna go to Havrashieli on the left hand side. They're gonna go, you know, they're gonna go on the right side. They go through the middle. Uh, try to play the long balls. They're going to do a little bit of everything. You know, Zelensky, I expect him to be back to his his masterful self, not what we saw at the World Cup. So uh, it should be a strong performance from Napoli, no doubt about it. The issues that I have here, or not the issues, but here's here's the things that stand out to me when I see these couple, when these two, when I see these two lineups. Um, I don't think anyone in the back three for Inter can cope with the physicality of Victor Alcimen. Um, and if he gets in positions, and if he gets Balls in the air played to him. He's, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna dominate. You could make the- done well against him in the past, uh, including including breaking his face just by going for the same header. If you if you recall that play, I think from yeah. from last season, he's he's done well against him, and I think that that's going to be. Uh, I, I think that's going to be Inter's best shot. Inter's had a little bit of luck in recent years because it seems like. Every time interplay Napoli, going back the last several years, something strange happens, whether it be Ossiman breaking his face and having to leave a match. There have been some some Napoli red cards. Like there was a, a match a couple of a uh, couple of years ago where Napoli, it seems like uh Koulibaly would always get sent off against Inter. It's I don't know, stra- strange things always happen when these teams square off. You know what to keep an eye on though with Skriniar is that what we saw in the in the derby earlier this year is that Skriniar tends to play on the right side of the back three. And if he does, look at how Rachelia, I mean Leia tore yeah. uh Skriniar apart in that game, made him look below average really. And Havrashele can do that. And so if he plays that back three, Dumfries is going to have to really work his ass off defensively to try to help out there because that's a tall task, you know, if you're screening or anybody in the world, really, right? Van Dyke or whomever, it's going to be hard to ask and stop number 77. That's going to be a big, big key matchup. And it's going to be hard, right? Because how do you balance that? You balance that or Osiman? Like, pick your poison. Either way, you pick on one, the other one's going to take advantage of you. It's a difficult matchup for, for anybody, including Inter. And that's why I that's that's why I <clears throat> question how Inter can match up against Alcimin because okay, Skriniar's on the right side of that back three, you know, he I how does he man mark Alcimin with the presence of Kvaratskhelia there on 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 his side, and does Inzaghi bring Dumfries back? Can you you know that's a win for Napoli if that happens if you can pin <laughs> Dumfries back. Yeah. I don't know how in this Inter lineup they can set themselves up shape-wise where they can crowd out Kvaratskhelia and, you know, take their chances on leaving Dumfries high, okay? Um, so if Napoli are able to establish things, able to do some build-up play, and then not let's not forget, you got Oliveira on the left-hand side too. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a challenge for Inter. So if you want to crowd your shape, over to that side, well, now Zielinski's wide open, okay? And he can start doing some damage. This is a very difficult Napoli team to defend, and you have to pick your poison, and you're going to have to take some risks if you're on the inter side of this. Um, I, You know, Mkhitaryan is a great midfielder on the counterattack coming out of the midfield to link with the forwards and to get into some of the dangerous spaces to score goals. Inter's going to have that going for them. Um, 
you know, I, I the, the chat's all saying this is going to be a very tough game to call KG. If there's any reason for it is because Simone Inzaghi and Luciano Spalletti have had six weeks to get ready for this game. So that's the argument for that. Is Barella fit? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's projected he would be, to start. He will be the key guy to help out Skriniar, honestly, in that right-hand side. You know, And he's going to he, have to. He's going to have to. He's going to have to for yeah. any chance to. Yeah, I think the, the, for the, the the aerial duels, I, I think, are obviously concerning for me in that department. And I think I think that's where hopefully Skriniar can be on set pieces. He can be right there with Osimhen. I think that's an important factor because it's just it's it's hard. I mean, Inter do not have a lot of height, especially when it comes to uh, left wing back uh, with Di Marco, who's about the size of a garden gnome. I, I think that these uh, some of these aerial battles are going to be key. I'm predicting Napoli to win 2-1. Um, and that's not because I, it's not an anti-Inter bias or, or, or anything like that. I just, looking at the shapes of these teams, and Barella's going to cover an awful lot of ground, but man, I, I my opinion might be a little bit different if Brozovic was available for this game. I agree. Um, but I I think this is a Napoli 2-1 win. Uh, I think that Zielinski ends up being the influential guy in in this game, uh, he either scores or assists. I, I can't quite, you know, figure that out, but he's going to be involved in at least one of the goals. I think Inter are going to score coming the other way. I think it's going to come from something, you know, relatively interesting when they can apply some pressure. Um, you know, maybe it might be a Mkhitaryan goal, uh, but I I'm going Napoli to win two one. I I think both teams score, and I think it goes over the yeah. two and a half for anybody that's uh, that's looking at that. So, based on my my call, uh, <laughs> you, you're betting over two and a half at minus one fifty. You're betting you're betting Napoli to win plus two hundred. Napoli's plus two hundred in this game. Wow. Interest plus one thirty eight. Um, so, I got I've got two one to the Partenope. Uh Richard, yo. Um... I kind of, I'm kind of feeling with the chat that it's going to be a tight game, and mostly not because it's going to be the rust from the, the long break off, right? There are some players who play the World Cup, but together as units, these teams haven't been there a while. They're going to be a little conservative, I think, at the beginning. Um, I like that shot at zero zero by at halftime. Um, you start seeing open up in the second half, like Bob said. I'm looking maybe like a one nothing scoreline here. Napoli went in here uh, on the road. Um, I just don't think. I have to be. I would be shocked if one of these teams came out. Obviously, Napoli could do it, but come out, come out of the gates, and we just fly with that big of a break that we had. So I, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be cagey, uh, mostly for the rust reasons, and I think uh, Napoli find a way to continue this win streak uh, and continue being at the top of the table. Yeah, for as much as I I love Inter, uh, I would have to be the biggest homer in the world based on form before the World Cup break to expect an Inter victory. Um, you know, I, I don't think a draw would shock me, but I'm definitely going to lean to a Napoli win. I have this weird feeling that it's going to end up being maybe higher scoring, scoring than Richard thinks. That's just a hunch on my part. Uh, usually when I have a hunch, you probably want to bet the opposite. So maybe you think <laughs> about taking the under, but I'm actually, I'm expecting it to be a cagey first half and maybe nil, nil yeah. one, one heading into the break. But then I think things are going to open up in the second half. And I, I think Inter, I think it was Bob who said, will Inter get a set piece goal? Yeah. That's an area where Inter excels and Napoli, not so much on, on the defensive side of it. I, I definitely think if whether Inter score one or two, I could see three one or three two in Napoli's favor, and I think Inter either their only goal or one of their two goals 
will probably come from a set piece. So that's the way I see it playing out. I, I think that this game is really going to open up in the second half. And I just so much respect for Napoli's firepower. And, you know, I worry about Inter's midfield stability a little bit because this is the type of game where Brozovic could help you so much to kind of yeah. stabilize things and control the match a little bit. I think Inter's going to be bypassing the midfield with a lot of long balls and counterattacks, which I, I think Napoli can eventually exploit in the second half. So, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of heading into this one, fellas. Just uh, you know, as an Inter supporter, happy that City Ah is back. Happy I can watch Inter for the first time in a long time. Instead of talking about whether or not they're going to lose Skriniar on a free, and you know whether Stephen Jang needs to sell the team yesterday, I can actually watch some football being played. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think I'm not going to have a smile on my face by the end of it. Mm. That's where we're all at on. Uh, Napoli and interest. So are we all saying, Richard? You are you saying a draw? Did I hear you right? Or are you? I'm, I'm Napoli. Got, Napoli win. Napoli win. Okay. Uh, so that is Inter Napoli. Uh, for those of you that like to gamble and like to play daily fantasy soccer, there is a slate on DraftKings tomorrow for the twelve thirty Eastern games: Cremonese and Juventus, and Fiorentina and Monza. So, um. I have pulled some player names and some salaries from each of the games, uh, the, the, the ones that caught my attention. So if anyone's planning on playing tomorrow, now there's a tournament, um, $15 entry uh, for a chance to win $1,000. Um, they really don't do a lot of big slates for Serie A. They do bigger slates for the Premier League, obviously, because it has more more players and that sort of thing. But, you know, I mean, and then there's also other smaller contests or for fun. Uh, if you've got some buddies and you all want to throw in five bucks each and have a head to head or something like that, and you, you can do that too. So, um, so I just want to run through the names that are going to be in these games and uh, uh, you know, the prices and I'll see if we've got um, what uh, you know, what we have here. We'll start with the Criminese Juventus game. First of all, I think, What's important when you look at these things is, okay, how is the game going to go? Um, and Cremonese's last three home games, there's been a grand total of one goal scored. It was scored by Sampdoria. Um, so they, they play tighter. They play more defensive. They, they're trying not to give anything up. And you have Juventus, who in their travels in seven games in Serie A this season, in their games combined, them and their opponents have combined for eight goals. Juve have only scored four away goals so far in Serie A this season. So everything, all the metrics scream that this is going to be a low-scoring game. I'm scripting it for a 1-0 Juve win, in fact. So, um, But let's go through the players and the prices here. Cremonese, the interesting thing with them is that their most expensive play. Okay, first of all, I should also say DraftKings, the way it works. You have a 50000 salary. There's two forwards, two midfielders, two defenders, a goalkeeper, and a utility player, uh, utility outfield player. Okay, and you got to spend salary cap. You can spend all of it. You can leave money on the table, whatever you want to do. Um, Cremonese, the redeeming thing to them is that their most expensive guy is 6,300, and that's David Okariki, the forward. But you <laughs> you have to play him hoping that he is going to get some kind of weird counterattacking goal. Um, by, you know, I, I like the talent, but the thing, the thing that stinks about Okariki and Serie A guys right now is he's just been on some really shitty teams in Serie A, and it has not been good for his development. 
Um, he was on Venezia last year, and now this year he's he's playing on this uh, Cremonese side. So um, the the guys that you're probably looking at on Cremonese is the two defenders, the two wingbacks. Leonardo Sernicola is 5,700, and Emanuele Valeri is 5,000. They get decent cross volume. Juventus has been known to let you have the ball a little bit. Um, and they can be crossing from some wide positions. They both take some corner kicks, and you can get a lot of points from crosses from them, winning some tackles, some interceptions. <clears throat> you know, maybe they draw some fouls too. So, you know, they can certainly do that. They they can certainly get there for you. So those would be two guys I'd look at on Cremonese. The other guy that I would look at on Cremonese as well is the goalkeeper, Mario Carnesecchi. Uh, he's 3,900, uh, very cheap for a goalkeeper. And when you're playing a cheap goalkeeper, you're playing him because he's going to get a lot of saves for you. There's win bonuses and shutout bonuses. Don't count on that with Cremonese. Don't count on that with Carnesecchi. You're paying 3,900 for him, hoping that Juve put score one goal, but put six shots on goal, which it's two points for each save. You do the math, you get 10 points. So, Versus the 10 points that Chesney will get in a 1-0 win for a win in a clean sheet and not seeing any shots. And he's 1700 more expensive. So, makes sense, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cernicola, Valeri, and Karnasecki would probably be all, any of the guys that I would look at on, on Cremonese. The other guy that's interesting, just if you need to save money, Gonzalo Escalante probably will start tomorrow in midfield, um, and he's only 3000 So um, a guy that, you know, if he plays long enough, should could, could win some tackles, get some interceptions, might commit some fouls, but might draw some too. So uh, former Lazio man, you uh, might be in the starting lineup for Cremonese. That's another one, but that would be it. The Juventus side obviously is going to be popular. People are going to have it. The most popular, you know, the most expensive player on there is Philip Kostic at twelve thousand. Oh my gosh! Um, Inflation. <laughs> he is going it's not to just sh- a gallon of milk going up, huh? He will probably have ten crosses before he even gets off the bus. Yeah. Um. So that's seven points there. He'll shoot a bit. He'll create chances. So what we call the floor is awfully, awfully high, at least 15 points. Okay. At least 15 fantasy points. Um, but it's a big decision that you're going to have to make if you're trying to win the thousand dollars, because everybody's going to play him. And if you want to leave out that $12,000 and spend your money elsewhere. So me personally, the only people I ever spend 12,000 on is Erling Holland, Kylian Mbappe and Lionel Messi. So I don't <laughs> now hostage. Yeah, I don't really know if I have Philip Kostic in that category, but if you're going to play the 50-50s or if you're going to play the double-ups and that sort of thing, you're pretty much going to have to have him in there because of the safe floor of points he's going to give you. Um, my favorite play is probably Arkadiusz Milik. At, he's only 8,300. He's 8,300 and Moise Ken is 9,200. I would much rather play Arkadiusz Milik in this, in this spot. Um, as a guy who's going to probably be the more likely to get uh, get his head on Kostic's crosses and so on and so forth. Um, can I can't stomach paying 9200 for. Um, for what he actually does on the field, he has to score two goals to to really help you at that price, in my opinion. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. If he was cheaper, I mean – if he was cheaper, it'd be how much do you if, if Lavich was fit, how much do you think he would be on this slate? 
less than well, Costich. Of course, it's yeah. twelve thousand, maybe, uh, maybe eleven. Nine thousand, ten thousand. <laughs> well, actually, they're 15, they're 000? they're going to be. It's going to be on there. Um, really? Let me pull it. Yeah, let me pull it up. But I mean, you're just going to say he's that he's out. Um, let me look real quick. He's actually he's ninety nine hundred. Wow. If he was fit, I mean, that's if he was fit, you'd probably lock that. But I think Milik at eighty three hundred is probably in the similar role that Vlaovic is in. Makes makes a lot of sense. Um, the other Juve guys that probably make sense here, Rabio at sixty two hundred is worth throwing in there because of his yeah. role going forward and getting in the box. That's not a horrible price on him. I I like slates where he's like four thousand or five thousand, but in a if you're trying to win the thousand dollars, maybe he comes in less on. Weston McKenney's only forty seven hundred. Um, another guy that gets in the box and might be able to might be able to get you a goal. So, and at 4,700, if you get a goal that pays off big time. So, um, and then Chesney, so Karnasecki's 3,900, Chesney's 56. Um, Hardcore Italians in the house, our boys, Richard. Hey, oh. All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Send some gear. <laughs> Just, or I'll actually, I'll, I'll buy some gear. I gotta, there you I go. Gotta, I got to yeah, look I'm it up, a, get caught no up. Freeloading. Um, so, so going through that, so Chesney is 5,600, which he's the most expensive goalkeeper on the slate. If you think Juventus win, then there's a win one nil, then there's five points for the win and five points for the shutout, 10 points. But is Cremonese going to shoot on him? You know, you know, and do you want 10 points for the 5,600 guy or 10 points for the 3,900 guy? Probably rather the 10 points for the 3,900 guy. So, because then I'd have salary to spend elsewhere. But I mean, it's just that's that's some of the stuff that people have to take a look at. So, thoughts on any of those guys and those prices, or is there anybody that I missed out that you guys want to hear what their price is? As long as I got this up, Chiesa. Chiesa will make a cameo. He's because I'm, I'm looking at him on the uh, I'm looking at him on my sports book and he's plus two ten as an anytime goal scorer, which I, I wouldn't take that bet not knowing how much he's going to play. Yeah. He's eighty six hundred, and I don't think I can do that if I know I'm if I if I know he's only playing yeah twenty minutes. I mean, if he's starting, he might play 45, 60 tops. If I think he can get to sixty, then I'll play. Then 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 he might be worth playing, but that's eighty six hundred for him when you can get Milik for eighty three, who's certainly going to start. Yeah, it makes more no sense. No brainer, no brainer yeah. at all. Yeah. And 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 Milik, by the way, is plus one fifty as an anytime goal scorer. I I might even lock that in. I know that that's obviously that's a not great the bet. best return, but it, it almost seems like it'd be hard to imagine him not scoring in this one. So I might lock that in. That's my favorite play that's my favorite player to score in that game tomorrow yeah so the the odds makers would agree i don't think anyone else has uh has odds like that plus 150 anytime goal score now the other game is going to be the one you're going to want more guys in because i think there's going to be more activity in this game uh fiorentina and monza um Start with Fiorentina. Cristiano Baraghi is the Biragi is the most expensive Fiorentina player. He's listed as a defender, and you have to pay eighty eight hundred for him. Mm. That's a big boy tag for him. He'll be taking all of their corner kicks. He'll be taking all of their free kicks. Um, 
you're 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 playing him with the idea that he's going to get you um he's going to get you a lot of points um it, you know just racking up crosses and corners and maybe winning some tackles things like that getting some shots from from distance and things like that the only problem with it is that as i thought about it throughout the day is that this is a Monza that is playing a lot better. They were playing a lot better before going into the World Cup break, and this is still a middling Fiorentina team that's returning. So, um, uh, are you disagreeing with me, Richard? No, no, don't mind me. I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, what but, about well, what's what's the price on uh, on Luka Jovic? Luka Jovic is fifty seven hundred, and I love that price. Yeah. Um, he has not played a lot for Italiano. But he he has a his goal per ninety and his shots per ninety uh, rates are really good, um, and strikers are always in play uh, are always going to do well in Vincenzo Italiano's teams. You know when he was at uh, uh, Spezia, now here at Fiorentina. So I mean we we talked about it with Vlaovic when he was at Fiorentina, and we when we saw Cabral and Pianta coming in and scoring goals, we said, hey, it's the system. <laughs> so. Um, he's 5,700. I think the biggest misprice is Jonathan Ikone is only 4,100. Um, and probably going to start as a winger and he has had double digit fantasy points in three out of his last five games. I think if Ikone starts, you have to play him. Um, uh, uh, Jack Bonaventura is up to 6,500. Uh, he is, he's, he's got, he scored in his last two games. And I think that that's what brought up his price. I think that's just too expensive uh, for me. Um, Cabral is sixty five hundred if he ends up starting and not Jovic. So I, I hope Jovic starts. Um, Christian Kwame at is eight. Christian Kwame is eight thousand. That's to me a little steep for yeah, what he right. actually does. Yeah. Um, and then the other punt that I would say in this team would be uh, Antonin Barak is only three thousand if he gets a chance to start. He usually can find his way to the top of a box and in in and get one, get it, get some shots off. So, um, you know, so that's the Fiorentina side, the Monza side, uh, the price on Gen, and, and this is why I won't want to play Gen, uh, Bonaventura at 6,500. Gianluca Caprati, 66. Um, he scored a penalty in the friendly against Torino. So he, he'll take the penalties for Monza. He scored against, he scored in the uh, friendly win over Leon. He's starting to find some good form all of a sudden. And he's one of those guys that gets some. Sh- he'll shoot and create chances in open play. He generates a lot. Um, prefer him over Mota, who probably will start up front with him at fifty seven hundred. Uh, Mota's. I find Danny Richard. I find Danny Mota at Monza to be goal dependent, and yeah. to score goals, he needs service. He's not going to create his own chances. No. I think that that's what we're learning from him in his short time uh, playing in Syria. Agreed? Yeah, no doubt. Agreed, one hundred percent. Okay, so Caprari over Monza, either of them over Fat Fuck Batania, um, <laughs> who's only who's only five, but he's only five thousand. So <laughs> I think in the notes that I wrote up, I said Fat Fuck. Doubt he starts, but really goal and service <laughs> dependent notes. if he does. Probably just going to eat leftover panettone as his warm up. Uh, <laughs> so, oh yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, yeah, and then and then going further down, Matteo Piscina, bit of a misprice with him, only forty nine hundred. He should be taking some set pieces mm-hmm. uh, yeah. with uh, Sensi out injured. And then the other guy that I like from Monza is thirty four hundred, Andrea Colpani. Yeah, 
Should yeah. snag a set piece or two off of Piscina. He's basically playing Sensi's position. Um, and he also, he's a willing shooter and he also creates an open play. So 3,400 is pretty cheap for him. Um, and then the two wingbacks for Monsai, like, you know, I wrote up Samueli Birandelli, 5,200, uh, crossing, creating chances. I might, I, I probably would rather play Valeri from Cremonese if I had to pick between one or the other. Um, but Birandelli's decent. And then Carlos Augusto's 4,300. He has scored twice in the last three games for Monza and Serie A, but so people are going to chase that. I don't know if I want to. I mean, I think that the 5,000 range defenders are all better plays than Augusto, um, but Augusto's cheap. So, I mean, and you can also take, you always take a, a chance on a center back like Milenkovic is a little bit cheaper. Um, but if you play Milenkovic, you should probably play Biragi as well so that you have the mm, correlation yeah. on a corner kick. Um, Bradagi putting one on Milinkovic's head. So, so from there, if you're going to play a cash lineup, um, I think I had Kostich in mid. Kostic is one spot and spending the 12K. Iconi at 41, Valeri at five, Chesney at five six, and take the. Now, do we take Chesney at five six or do you take Karnaseki at three nine? Ooh, I think I might That's... take Karnaseki at 3-9. Okay. Savings. I like it. Okay, yeah. so we'll go 3.9 there. So we've got Kostic at 12, Ikone um, at 4-1. We like that. Miss Price. Do you guys agree on that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to build one right now just for the <laughs> heck of it. Um, and, and what, and, what's the what was that to win a thousand five bucks to yeah. win a thousand 15, 15 bucks to 15 win a thousand? Yep, not all right. Bad. So, Kostich, this might not be the lineup that I actually play, but this can give everybody an idea. Ikone, um, I think Valeri, I would probably go the cheaper of the two Cremonese wingbacks. Valeri is 700 cheaper than Cernicola. Uh, Karnaseki, we said for 3,900. So that gives us sixty-two fifty per player. We th- we're, we're picking Milik. To, we, we should we like we like the price on Jovic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we picking Milik to be the goal scorer for Juve tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. So we want so our forwards are going to be Jovic and Milik, mm-hmm. Kostic, Ukone, Valeri. That leaves us with fifty-five hundred per player. Uh, at a defender in a utility spot, so that prices us out of Biragi, um, which I'm fine with. I think this game is going to be wide open, and I don't think Fiorentina is going to monopolize to the point where Biragi pays off the 8,800. Um, do we? So let's play Caprati in the utility, and then we have 4,400 left at defender. Um, and I'd, I'd be happy with Augusto as a last man in. Would you guys? At what price? I mean, obviously, it's filling out 40, the last, but just curious. 40, 44? 4,300. 40, yeah. Yep. But if, like if you're going to go the if you go the cash route, the utility, you may want to go Piscina. And then the defender, you can get all the way up to Cernicola if you wanted. But I like that one better. Hmm. Uh, uh, I think Caprati can score tomorrow. And then the defender, let's get Augusto in there. Yeah. 
So the draft king, the city I sit down draft kings lineup that we constructed tonight, Luka Jovic and Arkadiusz Milik as our forwards, Jonathan Ikone in midfield, Filip Kostic in midfield, uh, Carlos Augusto at defender, uh, Emanuele Valeri at defender, uh, Mario Carnesecchi at goalkeeper, and then Gianluca Caprari at utility. I'm going to need so, one of you to fax me a copy or email me a copy of that. Fax, so I can play fax. It. <laughs> okay. fax me a copy of that. Or, and then the other thing that you guys want to do that, that might be much, that might be a little bit better on the, like for 50 fifties or for double ups um, at utility, you could take out Caprari and put in Piscina and then you could take Karnasecki out of goalkeeper and put in Chesney. That would be another, that would be another way you could go. Um, so, uh, so those would be, the options as far as pretty confident that Chesney's going to keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So if you want the safety of the clean sheet and the yeah. win, then yeah, you play Chesney and then you can yeah. go from Caprari down to uh, Piscina. So that was our, that was our uh, dege- degenerate uh, portion of the program <laughs> until we get to do one couch on Twitter, which is always degenerative. Diddy is back, which means I'm going to be broke in a couple of days because there it is. There it is. Especially when I know I'm going to be, um, I'm going to at least have games on in the background in every block. I do have to get some work done, so I'm going to at the very least have them on in the background. It just makes the games more interesting when you've got action. All right, so we've kind of somewhat talked about three games. Let's talk. Let's look at the rest. Richard, uh, Salernitana, Milan, Sassuolo, Sampdoria, Spezia, Atalanta, Torino, Hellas, Verona, Lecce, Lazio, Roma, Bologna, uh, and Udinese, Empoli. Uh, take us... Take us to take us through these games and your thoughts on them and what you're looking forward to. Um, yeah, let's all start with Salernitana Milan. You know, this should be a straightforward game for Milan, but they seem to struggle with the with the bottom feeders, uh, and in particular Salernitana. So, I think it's going to be a cagier match than Milanisti uh, are hoping for, honestly. But I, I, I think they're going to find a way to win it. They got enough talent to win. But it's going to be something like a one nothing or even a two one score line, something. They should no right to be playing in, but that's what I'm expecting there. Uh, Sassuola Sampdoria. Um, I, this could be – it should be a high-scoring game because I don't trust either of these defenses. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Dionisi has a much better squad. Uh, Sampdoria's been playing better as of late. But I think like I, a 3-2 Sassuola yeah, win. Something yeah, like yeah. That. I'm, I'm with you on that one because I don't, I don't see much defense in this one, especially with after the long break. It's kind of be the opposite of what I'm expecting from, from – And, and in- you know what, Richard? I'm looking at an over-under of two and a half goals. I'm smashing the over. Yeah, I am too. I am too, 100%. Um, Spezia home to Atalanta. I think Atalanta actually gets a couple goals in this one. I think they're probably gonna win two or three nothing in this one. I think honestly, I think I don't think Spezia is gonna be ready for the, after this long break. Uh, it should be fairly comfortable for Atalanta for for once. Uh, Torino Hellas that could be an entertaining game. Hellas has been massively underperforming this year. Yeah. Torino been overperforming. Uh, but I think we'll be a little close here coming off the break here. Uh, I'm not sure how the stars for Torino didn't play too well uh, at the World Cup, so. I'm going to say a narrow victory for Torino. Lazio should just flat out. I'm sorry to Lecce fans or our fans, UK Lecce, Lecce Kitchen brothers over there in the UK. It's not going to be pretty. Lazio under Sarri have been fantastic. And I think they're going to be dominant with the ball. They're going to find ways to uh, to cut up through that Lecce defense. And I, I, I can see him putting up three goals, honestly. I I, I, I look at, because um, I've got the sports book open, I think Lazio is one of the, I mean, you know, La, Lazio can find a way to fuck up, which should be a sure win. But I'm looking at Lazio at plus 110 
on the money line. And I, I don't know. I feel like Latsu on the plus money in that matchup against Lecce is probably worth a play for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, an interesting game for me is Roma Bologna because this is the first game since Mihalovic passed away, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yes, you're correct. And you know they're going to honor him at the game. Not yeah. Roma's struggle as it is to score. And granted, it is at Roma. Uh, but I ex- expect an inspired performance with Bologna. I can easily see a draw on this one. It should be Roma with the win, but Bologna are going to play inspired, and you can never – we've seen teams when they have to overcome these kind of adversities, whether he's not with them or not, doesn't matter. Uh, right. He meant something a lot to Bologna. So I think Bologna finds a way to get a draw on this one. Um, yeah, and, and on that note, because um, yeah. I was thinking the same thing, and if you want to, and I do sometimes play the draw in the three-way money line, which can be kind of frustrating because, like, rooting for a draw, it's – I don't know. But – Plus two ninety five for a draw, that's a really good return for a yeah. game like this. I mm-hmm. agree. I agree. I agree. Fiorentina Monza, uh, Amrabat returns to his club team. Um, Monza, they 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 kind of ended the first half very strong. I honestly think this could be a very tight game. You know, Fiorentina were the, the darlings at the beginning of the season, but I think Monza are going to play them actually pretty tough. They all the all the signings they made towards the end there, uh, they kind of started to come to fruition. They're playing playing uh, as a unit at the moment. Well, they did. I, I you know they had a six six week break here. I see a draw in this one, Alex. Uh, Ooh, yeah. plus three hundred. Yeah, I, I think I like a draw that. is going to happen here. Uh, surprise if you're a Tina fans for sure. What do you think? Well, I definitely, um, if I play anything, I'm either going to take a shot at Monza plus one or I'm going to play draw on the three-way money line because I don't like Fiorentina's price at minus 140 on the money line mm-hmm. or minus one with the spread. So that that's the only part of it I'm definitely avoiding. I do not like Fiorentina in the minus money to win. Yeah, no, that's a good shot right there. Uh, and then lastly, Udinese, Empoli, <laughs> for Sonia and then a few others that are watching this game. No, I will probably watch this game. Uh, this should be a game that Udinese wins comfortably, I think. I don't know. I'm, I've am i lost my confidence in Empoli this season. As the season's gone on, they've gotten weaker and weaker. I expect Udinese to kind of pick up where they left off at the end of the season or the end of the first half. Um, I, could, I could see probably a two-goal victory for them, uh, Alex, in this one, I think. Uh, Udinese are a strong enough team, and they have some, some talent up at the front end that they can probably get a couple goals against Empoli, who are pretty weak in the back. I'm thinking of a two-team parlay um, with because I, I I think Udinese and Milan to win uh, straight up, not against the spread, to me are probably my safest pick. So if I parlay Milan minus two hundred five and Udinese minus one sixty, I get plus one forty two return. That that's not bad for a quick. Uh, no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I know some people do these crazy. 10 team parlays which are like a lottery ticket i i tend to play two three teamers most of the time that's probably something i'm going to go with i um udinese empoli i I, i'm I'm somewhat there uh, on udinese i i think that you know here's the thing these smaller clubs you know they're that have had almost the entirety of their team together might have an edge so, True. you know, they might, at least for these first couple of games, and they've had, the, you know, the weeks to prepare and try to get off to the right start and things like that. Um, you know, you're looking at Empoli. You're looking at uh, Udinese. These are obviously both teams they, they've had everybody. Um, you know, nobody's nobody's of, nobody of consequence has really left. Um, but I, I think where 
the uh, issues are here. De Lufeu is doubtful for Udinese, which to me puts puts a cloud of doubt on Udinese's prospects. To I think they need him uh, in this game to run through people. Certainly, they're going to have Beto up front. They'll have success up front. Um, you know, but there's a dynamic that De Lufeu brings to this team that you know that helps get it over the top. Um, you know, so I, I'm cautious about trying to you know, do anything with, with Udinese on, on, on any kind of money line. Um, the, I, it's, it's crazy, but the Empoli money line is tasty. (laughs) Uh, you know, I won't, I won't lie. Um, but, uh, I won't do it either. Uh, plus four fifty. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that, that's just one thing to look at. I think that the teams that I – here's how I see these results all going. I think that Milan win. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be pretty, but they're going to win. Yeah, that's why. Like, I don't like Milan at minus one because I think that's a push. I think they probably win by a late goal is the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, they won't have Giroud. I don't think they're going to have Teo, if I understand that correctly. I think they're still on a break. So you, you're talking Balotore and you're talking Origi probably up front. Um, so Sassuolo, Sampdoria, um, you know, Sampdoria are playing harder under Stankovic. Uh, yep. So, or at least, you know, heading into the break, the results haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, you know, but there's there's a sign or two of life. I don't think it starts here with them starting to get on a winning run. I think Sassuolo go on and win the game. Uh, but I think it's going to be closer than people think. I don't think Sampdoria is going to be out of their depth. Um, Spezia and Atalanta, I, just, I, I like how Gasparini has restructured this team tactically, and I don't think Spezia is going to have anything to offer. Um, Torino, Hellas, Verona, plus 250 draw is tasty to me um, there, but you know, worth noting, Torino's look. Torino looked pretty good uh, in their uh, friendlies, um, including a four-one win over Monza. So, uh, something worth noting if maybe they've uh, they've pulled it back together under Ivan Juric and gotten it, you know, gotten things going. I think they 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 drew uh, Cremonese, but then they went they went out to Spain. They beat Espanyol one nil, so they went unbeaten on their on their run of club friendlies and they're already talented enough. So, you know, Sanabria and Maranchuk didn't go to the world cup. That'll help mm. them. Yep. Um, you know, draws interesting. I probably would lean the Torino side though. Um, Lecce Lazio, you know, man, this Lecce team are hard to break down at home and, and they're making that a very difficult place to go. Um, Bellator is injured. Okay, I'll, we'll see what Milan do at left back then. Uh, Kevin Constant. <laughs> that actually hurt my ears, Richard. <laughs> Ouch. Speaking of hurting my ears, I kind of picked up, I, I probably turned on the PlayStation for the first time in like four years. And I had FIFA 19, and it's the ban- end of the banter era team with Milan with guys like Kevin Ooh. Constant. Oh. I'm like, what are these players? Like, I don't want to play with this. Yeah, you know, I I've been playing. Um, what do they call it now? Um, what what, what used to be Pro Evo? It's like uh, it's e- e- football oh, oh. now. Oh, they call yeah. it. But the thing is, because because that's you. Because I I don't think 
like uh, like Inter and I don't know if Milan. I think Milan's only on on uh, eFootball this year, where they have like the exclusive rights, and if you play them on FIFA, it's like a generic team. So uh... I've been playing eFootball, but then it's frustrating because you can't. You can only play against like a handful of teams. They don't have every roster on the game. So I, I'm very disillusioned with uh, with video games these days. I'm probably too old for this shit anyway. But I'm very disillusioned <laughs> with it. Uh... Further down, let me see here. Um, I'm going to go for Monza to beat Fiorentina. What? Um, Ooh, yeah. hot take of the day. I like it. Yeah, I, I I, think they started to figure a couple of things out. Yep. Um, I like the form that Caprari's in. Uh, I think that Fiorentina is still trying. They've been struggling. Um, I'd feel better if... Uh, Gonzalez was fit and playing in this game. He's not. Uh, so I'm I'm going to go with Monza with the upset. Uh, I'm going to go with Roma, and Bolo- Roma over Bologna. Bologna is going to be emotionally charged, like you guys said. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Roma winning. Greg, let me uh, ask you this: Do you think Vincenzo Italiano was paying attention to Amrabat, his positioning at the World Cup, and going to play him in a similar position, or do you think he's going to return him to what he was playing before? I think that. Okay, so now you, you get a look at what Amrabat does for country, okay? I think that that just – I think that Fiorentina will play the same way. They won't play with the way Morocco plays. Sure. And I think that means freedom for Jack and Barak um, or whoever's flanking him in midfield, you know, to go forward and, and link with the attack and find runs at the top of the box. And Amrabat's just going to back everything up and cover all the ground. Um, so functionally he should stay the same. It's just the, the overall way Fiorentina play are going to be much different. So, um, that's, that's how I see that one. And I'll, 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 I'll go with Udinese and Empoli to draw. Okay. Okay. Without, without De Lufeu, I think that Empoli can sneak one in. I think Empoli have some pretty decent technical players. Yep. Plus Um, three ten on a draw. So that's not bad at all. Yeah. I, I one 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 draw. Um, I I think that uh, they've got very good technical players by Rami Baldanzi, uh, and and Baldanzi is a guy we're going to continue to learn more about as the season goes on. Talented young Italian player, uh, and uh, and Martin coming through the midfield. I think that they've got the ability to hold the ball, keep the ball, uh, you know, and ask Udinese a few questions even at the Dacia. So I'll go one one there. Let me. Uh, this question came up from Hardcore Italians, who is looking like the best contender for twenty three. Obviously, Napoli is the team that's the cream of the crop at the moment. Do we see anyone outside of Napoli really contending? Obviously, Milan's going to be in there, but are you look? Are we talking Lazio? Are we talking Juventus, Inter? Like, is anybody going to challenge? Somebody's going to challenge. Obviously, Honestly, who is it? I I could see. I don't know about Lazio, but I could see any of those other teams you mentioned. Obviously, Milan mathematically are the closest. Um, yeah. but I. Uh, you know, Juventus were very hot. They unfortunately they haven't been relegated yet for all these financial irregularities. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah, your Juventus were were quite hot before the break. Uh, I you know they're they're in the Champions League picture now. The season ended today. Uh, Inter are even a little bit behind that. But I, I honestly I could see any of those teams catching a nice run of form. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it's like 
if Napoli doesn't, I know we're only 15 match days through, right? If, but if so, but Napoli, they've got such a sizable lead that wouldn't it feel like a choke job if they can't get this over the finish line? I mean, you know, I know they ma- it would be massive, yes. I mean, this would be, uh, you know, I know that they uh, that they pissed it back in uh, 2018 when uh, Juventus were able to come back and win that one and win their seventh or eighth straight at the time, but that was they didn't have the sort of lead at any point that season no. that they have now. No, I don't feel great saying this, but I I think that it is I, I think that Juventus have the best chance yeah. of overtaking Napoli for the title. Mm. They're out of the mm. Champions League. They can right. just say we're not invested in the Europa League. They have the best defense in this league at the moment, only conceding seven goals through 15 games. Let's also remember Napoli schedule-wise through these first 15 match weeks was relatively soft. They did win at Milan, important result, okay? But now they're going to get into the meat of this schedule, you know, and play some pretty difficult opponents, and we're going to see what they're made of. I think that they've got they've got Inter, then they travel to Sampdoria, um, uh, and they've got Juve coming up. They travel to Salernitana. They host Roma. Um, so they've got a pretty interesting stretch, uh, you know, in front of them. Um, you know, so <clears throat> so Inter and Juventus are among their, their, their last games here. Um, we'll see. Uh, Juve are going to start to get a bunch of dudes back. Um you know, we'll see how Pogba fits into this mix. I still, I think he's no different than anybody else they throw in the midfield, but yeah. Um, but, but that's, but we could be, we could be surprised. They'll get Di Maria back into the mix in some capacity. They'll get Vlaovic healthy again. And Allegri will have a lot of options at his disposal. Um, and playing once a week. I don't know if they're going to take the Europa League seriously. Um, and uh, I think that uh, with the way they've defended and with the way they play, because let's face it, it's aggravating. To, it's aggravating for us to watch. Imagine being an opposing team when you can't play your game against them. Um, I, think that they're the, I think that they're the closest title rival to Napoli at this point. I think Milan is still in the conversation. I think Inter is still in the conversation. But if you, you know, Gun to my head, I, I have to give Juventus a lot of credit here and a lot of I have a lot of optimism for them to have the best chance. Right on. Makes sense. So um Mercato just kind of got started, not a whole lot going on there. Um Milan signed some random from Colombia to be a backup goalkeeper. Vasquez. Pablo Escobar. Was he Colombian? No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was Colombian. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they sent yeah. Pablo Jr. <laughs> no, it's, it's Vasquez, and I can't remember the first name, but I just I saw that blurb. Mm. Most ridiculous thing I've, I've read this week was that Milan are going to swap Leal to Manchester City for money and Jack Grealish. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who was high enough to write that? Oh, it's just... Graham Thomas? Yeah. Oh, Graham Sunis, what an idiot. <laughs> so, um, 
but I, I haven't seen anything else that's really noteworthy. Devis, Devis Vasquez, thank you, Anthony. Um, so that's uh, that's who's coming in, and I think that Mignon injury is still concerning for Milan uh, going forward as well. So yeah. that's just extra cover at the goalkeeper position for the Rossoneri. But other than that, I'm not seeing a whole lot to get excited about just yet. Uh, you know, with this winter market, but it's only January third, so it does feel like Sorry. at least uh, there, there's going to be smaller signings. Uh, but as far as like big players, big clubs, this feels like it's going to be a quiet January. And I know that uh, Serie A is not in the best financial shape these days compared to. It seems like the gap with the Premier League is only widening, not narrowing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so. Uh, anything else guys here so far? I think we've been pretty comprehensive with how we've, uh, gotten the, the resumption of city, uh, back underway before we get into the debauchery of who won Calcio Twitter. Yeah, I've, I've been waiting a good eight weeks for who won Calcio Twitter. That's, <laughs> that's <laughs> what's too. been getting me up in the morning. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Let's do it then. Okay. It is time for the world's most popular hashtag game. Who won Calcio Twitter? Richard, start us off. All right, starting it off, we got uh, Francesco Calcio with uh, Italy beats Albania, gets the third place medal of not making the World Cup, and they ah. celebrate like they've won it. <laughs> okay, uh, so. I feel like I have more Albanian friends than Italian friends, so they, they were not happy about that. <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of uh, Albanian Inter fans. I feel like every Inter group chat I'm in, they could care less about Italy. It's all about Albania. Yep. All right, next one. Richard, for some reason, wanted to put on something that was on Instagram by Goal. You got to read the lyrics. The lyrics is what's funny with this. Is like Killian uh, Mbappe looks like an Ninja Turtle. Who lives in a Killian hospital? Mbappe. <laughs> Someone took time making the captions, and they are hilarious. And the full video wow. is even funnier. But uh, yeah, worthy a shot because <laughs> they mentioned Paul Pogba. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's move on. All right, uh, George. Uh, George in uh, the chat says, uh, "Italia watching the 2022 World Cup in front of a TV." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, you could put a TV in front of uh, Calgary and say, uh, "Calgary watching City A." This year. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> Sorry, George, I had to do it. George, this is, uh, but you are the leader in the clubhouse, George, just for this. Yeah. This was very nicely played. So we're going to say, okay, George. Ooh, that drop kick. Yeah, freaking uh, Walker Zimmerman when he sees Gareth Bale get the ball. Yeah. Oh, let's just <laughs> penalty in that game where you should have won. Crazy. And that's from Anthony. Okay. Uh, okay, Anthony Skanga, other teams when they hear this news. Nothing. My oh. offer is this. It was, his original and tweet the, was Manucci's contract will expire in 2024 for automatic renewal. <laughs> yeah, and that was yeah, that was based on the, the Benucci's contract expiring. Yeah. You're right. So Excellent. my offer is this. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> All right. Uh Matt Santangelo makes the it's been a while since we had a Matt Santangelo on who on Kelch yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, Rafael Leon his father on the phone later discussing updated renewal demands. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Scarface. Nice. Yes. Gotta love it. Okay, Moncada's scouting missions. In the spring, my name is Yevlik. 
I'm in the abandoned city of Pripyat. I'm inside <laughs> one of the ancient down oil tanks. Well, Kata scouting wherever he can. I am not inside a fusion reactor. I'm in Hull. <laughs> I am in Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> it goes off for two minutes like this. Oh, wow. Pretty good. That is at Kilpin Chronicle. We'll put him on the list. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, this one's... Can't see Namor's wife on this one, so Bob will have to take your word for it. Let us know what Pierce Morgan tweeted out here. Uh, but moving on, uh, Alex Donald gets a nomination. Oh, uh, I did? It says, what time do they have... To... Okay, so the original tweet from all UVA cast says, a dinner <laughs> took place this evening between the newly res resigned Juventus directors and coach Max Allegri. Alex said, what time do they have to return home to keep their ankle bracelets from going off? Nice, Alex. Very nice. I went on a uh, – that, that was probably the only funny one. But I went out the, – the, the day that all the news about Juve was breaking, I just – I went on a rampage that day. And then I, you know, I, I took a break from, from Calcio Twitter for a couple weeks to watch the rest of the World Cup after that. And now since you're on this show, you cannot win, unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's fine. I think I would have lost anyway. <laughs> we enjoyed the effort. Okay, so moving <laughs> on to Alan at offside twice. Shazmi is playing like a man that knows this club is getting relegated. <laughs> In the same theme of my tweet. I love it. Yes. Yes. Nice. All right. Uh, what is this? Footage of the note falling into the wrong hands. Oh, so I don't know why it's not. It must got deleted. But uh, in the Australia game, uh, Denmark... Uh, Dropped, got a piece of, you know, the coach wrote the, the notes on the, on the piece of paper. The Denmark player dropped it. Australia player picks it up, gives it to his coach, and he found all the instructions, and they beat him. <laughs> all right. Uh, I guess we had to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At, oh, Big Show was back in our lives. At underscore underscore. Oh, That's the only January signing Inter can afford. <laughs> 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 oh man all right what else moving on uh all right frank number this again from the not the big show and it's agnelli stopping by nedved's house telling him they have to step down from you fentis you want a coffee oh that's good <laughs> <laughs> all right what else we got i'll say so the first and second uh of of uh big shows is in the clubhouse okay moving on we have uh at no context footy making the list uh this is um <clears throat> mess <laughs> this is Okay, so Messi is Fred from Scooby-Doo. They've caught the bandit in a Lataro mask. They take off the mask. It's Iguain. I, I That's brilliant. <laughs> Look at Messi's face. Like, come on. That is brilliant. And it's, it's, it's the story of my life because uh, Iguain played for a, a few years. Uh, I don't even know if he still plays for Inter Miami, but he was he was a, he retired. He I think. played for my he retired. That's right. He yeah. played for my local down here, and he he, he 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 made an MLS record contract. You just eat sausages in Miami and just not score any goals. <laughs> Crazy. Oh. The uh, Art Morelli parody page. There's no reason for this. So when I saw that Drake wearing a Napoli shirt, he goes, it's unnecessary, man. There's no reason for this. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> That's beautiful. 
Oh my goodness. Okay. So, uh, moving on, uh, our friend Bob Lex, who's been in the chat all night with us, uh, replying, um, I'm robot when they tell him he has to play under Allegri now. He's crying. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funnier that I have no idea what he said, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what the interviewer said. <laughs> uh, George, coming with another nomination, says, uh, with no World Cup games today, I feel Italian. He's in oh. I don't know. That's a good one to be. <laughs> All um, right. Bobby has another one. This one's uh, a reply to uh, Adrian Garcia. Um, uh, okay, so Christine Cupo uh, saying Brazil going to lose. Um, you don't mess with cats. Uh, and that is, uh, a, a, I, I can't read it. Uh, do you have that up there? Richard? I can't read it either. No, I can't okay. read it either. So Adrian Garcia replying to Christina, to Christine with, uh, a cat in the Brazil grave. <laughs> Cause they lost. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. All right. Uh, AS Roma, uh, chic posting Mamma Mia Sono Io. So, Paulo Dybala, zero minutes play in the, in the World Cup. It's, oh, dear, oh, dear, gorgeous. And then uh, uh-huh. his buddy there, 15 minutes played in the, in, the, in the World Cup, and it says, you fucking donkey. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, All right. So uh, our friend, uh, Pauti Saudi, um, a, uh, <laughs> responding to uh, or retweeting Legacy uh, La Prima Argentina Croatia, yeah. La Prima semifinal with a picture of uh, Di Maria and Brozovic, and then him coming back and saying, Please don't make it about you. It's been a blissful three weeks without your shit. <laughs> At least they didn't do anything racist. <laughs> yeah, we can't confirm that though. We can't confirm that. As Pauly far as Saudi Saudi is, yeah, is up he, there. usually anytime City wants to make it about them, it's some kind of a uh, completely, uh, completely, uh, you know, nearsighted, uh, you know. Thing that gets people all up in arms so at least they didn't do that uh so the original tweet by peter peter rourke says uh, napoli and south korea south korea defender kim min jai has admitted he has begun has been disturbed by rumors of a possible transfer to tottenham uh and then and the, here's the video of it then that's uh you like football yeah yeah premiership yeah uh West Ham. West Ham, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Man City. Yeah. Yeah. You know quite a few. Did you know uh you know Tottenham? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's uh, good. What? All right. What? So let's see. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh <sighs> pretty strong slate. I, I, I thought the one watching uh the Italian team watching the World Cup on, on TV that made me chuckle. That, that was good. good. George, George, that was George. That was from November 19th. Um, yeah. I thought the Kilpin Chronicle was quite creative. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the Hart Morelli picture had me laughing. Uh-huh. <laughs> With the drink, yeah. Um, <laughs> that one was good. The Sopranos one from Big Show was good, too. Yeah. 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 And then I, <laughs> Pouty Saudi, too, I think, was, yeah, was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll let you guys you guys decide which one do you which one's your favorite. Uh, I think I think I'll vote for George with with the TV. I'll give it because I I feel, I feel like Big Show is probably a pretty serial winner 
and he had two nominees. He stuffed the ballot box. So I'll, I'll go with George with the TV. I'm going to go with George, too. I, I think this is pretty funny by George. Yeah. Okay. It, it required some Photoshop. I don't know if he did it himself, but somebody had to put the work in to Photoshop the TV in there. That's so right. I give an A for effort. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna. I think we'll be well. We'll be a trifecta. I'm gonna. I'll, we'll we'll make it George, and he is our winner of Who Won Kelcha Twitter, first winner of the new year. Um. So, Jersey So Cal, there he is. Oh. So congratulations, George. Hopefully you're listening. You are the winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. Well played. Uh, the We will retweet it here, uh, but it was from November 19th, 2022. Italy watching the 2022 World Cup, and it is a team picture uh, and with a flat screen TV in front of them. It's always nice to win something for a tweet he's probably forgotten by now that he wrote. <laughs> since, since we haven't had an episode in so long, it's like we're yeah. digging back to November 19th to find winners. He's like, well, I wrote that tweet. All right. <laughs> I must say that uh, I must say that I I, 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 I love Pouty Saudi's uh, tweet, though. <laughs> so as if, as if he's fun. trying to as if he's trying to admonish like a a, a bratty child you know yeah. uh, by the way if you submit a who won calcio twitter you're more likely to win that than to win a trophy if you played for spurs that's true that's true <laughs> there you go so um richard anything else uh, to say to the people here um no let's couch is back let's get it let's get it on with the games and uh yeah let's see how the second half unfolds because first half was exciting world cup was exciting let's see what the second half of the season uh has in store for us can napoli hold on that'll be the all question. right how, how about you alex um i just i can't wait to see how inter look tomorrow i'm going in with uh the only expectation i have is uh, just hopefully a good match win lose or draw i want it to look competitive i haven't watched inter play in so long obviously really consumed with transfer window stuff. Uh, will they be able to reach an extension with Milan Skriniar? Apparently Inter have given him a mid-January deadline, and supposedly they're not raising their offer from six mil a season, and I believe he is worth more, and he has teammates who are making wow. more money than that, including uh, Brozovic and Lautaro, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I would hate to lose Milan Skriniar on a free. So that's the sort of thing I will be watching in addition to the matches themselves. Just glad City has back. Yeah. Okay. Just glad City has back. Glad to have some banter. Going to see uh, Calcio Twitter alive and well. And even during the World Cup, people had things to say, as evidenced by the Who Won Calcio Twitter. So, uh, you know, uh, certainly some fun stuff. So we'll put a bow on this edition of City on Sit Down. Um, Alex, anything to uh, shamelessly plug? Um, anything your, your viewers may, well, actually I am going to do a spot with Jerry tomorrow night, Jerry and Joe nice. Fischetti. Uh, we're going to do a spot with them on the Calcio connection channel. Uh, outside of that, I basically work 80 hours a week tracking high school and college football players, uh, through sports illustrated and locked on Kane. So if you are interested in college American football, uh, if there is any crossover into this audience, uh, that that's kind of my full time gig is uh, locked on canes on the locked on podcast network. Other than that, I'm chasing my rambunctious four year old around. Excellent, mm, amen. Excellent, and and as I I, I I'm going to keep telling you, you're get, get, you know find a way to just talk them into getting back to being the you, and and 
bring that yeah. all back. The seventh floor crew, all that stuff. Because college football was fun when that was around. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I try. Um, People I took try, the fun away. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building some good relationships. They're not letting me coach the team yet. I'm still working on that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to tell the right people we got to bring the U back, and hopefully, they're working on it. Nice. It's that secret friendship with Luke Skywalker, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, Nevin Shapiro, whichever. <laughs> well, the, the new guy now is uh, John Ruiz. Is the new guy? He's the big. Uh, he's the big nil benefactor so he's he, he's the guy that uh that you want to get in with so hoping hoping to build a relationship with him nice. let's just the smu guys because i remember watching i just i watched that pony excess on the 30 for 30 not too long ago the yeah. those smu guys have got to be rolling over in their graves right now saying now you're letting this be legal <laughs> so uh richard anything you got uh shout out to the hardcore Italian guys for jumping on the on the on the chat with us uh and everyone on the in the chat really honestly uh and uh yeah um yeah i got nothing else <laughs> check them out check them out guys hard is it hardcoreitalians.com yes sir all right check them out get some gear uh get yourself looking good for the for the new year some great uh print t-shirts and other apparel that they come out with so uh check those guys out so find me at ftc underscore 21 so yeah sit down our own channel on apple podcasts soundcloud stitcher we're also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts, there is City Us Sit Down. Um, at City Us Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram, give us a follow there. You can follow me, as I said, at FTC underscore 21. Richard is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Alex Dono at A-L-E-X-D-O-N-N-O. We're also on Facebook. We don't spend a lot of time there, but we are also on Facebook. So if you can sift through the pictures of families that moms put up and all that fun stuff you might find a thing or two that we have to say there uh so with that we're going to sign off uh do this again next tuesday night gentlemen yeah why not next tuesday it is all right we had a lot to talk about this time it's been six weeks hopefully we'll be able to have it a little bit shorter for the people but. there you go <laughs> all right uh and also I, I i'd be remiss chat as always thank you guys um uh, for uh, your comments, for your contributions, for your questions. Um, if you if this is your first time uh, tuning into the channel, uh, please drop a like, subscribe, uh, and hit the notification bell. This way you are reminded when we go live on the air or if we do a video drop because we've been doing more of those lately. Or if... Or a can drop. Alex just does a whole <laughs> desk drop of stuff. So. It's just a desk drop, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, that'll do it, y'all. For Richard, Alex, I'm Frank. Be sure you try, be be sure you tell your Pythons about us. See, it's been six weeks. Ciao.